1: welcome everyone to the pff fantasy podcast i'm your host john Macri, fantasy analyst here at pff and it is another waiver wire tuesday and i am once again joined by pff's lead fantasy analyst nathan yonky nate
0: we're heading into week 10 how you feeling uh feeling good had a number of good matchups this past week was worried with bye weeks that i'd be losing a couple of those matchups but ended up with a lot of nice victories in large part thanks to the texans on sunday and cj stroud and Dalton Schultz pulling through for me in a couple of leagues here and there, but generally a good week outside of last night with uh, Brees Hall. I had thought he'd get at least 20 receiving yards and he caught three passes early, only ended up with eight yards on those, a couple of screen passes that just didn't end up working out and then had a 20 yard catch. So I thought we were good. And Garrett Wilson, block in the back, which uh, was the right call by the refs, but he did not need to block the guy in the back. He would have been just fine not doing that. And then the last drive, Michael Carter catches like six passes in a row, over 20 yards on the one drive alone. So I was very much correct in that a running back for the Jets would get over 20 receiving yards. It was just the wrong one. And Carter, he's been the two-minute drill back, so that's understandable enough. But these last couple games, Hall's been getting at least a couple of snaps and two-minute drills, and that was a 14-play drive that Hall could not get on the field for. So yeah. was a disappointing that he didn't get his 20 receiving yards, but we'll move <laughs> on. It was, uh,
1: yeah, it was a disappointing Monday Night Football game, pretty much all around. We we had some interesting moments for sure. We had uh, Arnold feeding a donkey on the on the Manning cast for some reason, and no passing touchdowns in this game for for Justin Herbert or for Zach Wilson. Uh, we had a, a pretty funny CJ Uzama um, bobble in the in the end zone near the end of the game, which I, I was laughing. I think it was Uzama or Conklin, one of those guys. Was, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, just, just a crazy game. Um, you know, it, this is what happens, I guess, when we get the jets, uh, uh, on prime time and luckily we're, we're done with that. And, uh, Oh no, wait, uh, they're playing Sunday night football this week. Okay, great. Awesome. So, uh um, yeah, we're not done with the jets in prime time, but, uh, we can do a quick recap of this game. Um, that the chargers win it 27 to six for anybody that uh, couldn't stay up watching the whole thing. um, Any key fantasy takeaways that you want to start with uh, for this game? Anything stand out for you on on either side?
0: Uh, There wasn't a ton. Both teams have committee at tight end, and that stayed the same in this game for the most part. Uh, Both teams pretty clear how they're using their running backs, so the big thing was their wide receivers. Uh, Starting with Los Angeles, uh, Joshua Palmer ended up on injured reserve right before the game, but Jalen Guyton, who... Uh, had been pretty much a starting wide receiver for them in 2020, 2021, or at least in three wide receiver sets. Um, he returned to action after missing nearly all of 2022 in the first half of this season. So we it was a pretty simple how they used their running backs. It was Quinton Johnston who went from being a wide receiver in three wide receiver sets to being an every down wide receiver. Uh, took I believe every snap out of eleven personnel for them in this game, and then the clear majority of twelve personnel snaps, and then Guyton became the wide receiver in three wide receiver sets. So pretty straightforward how they used their wide receivers. Uh, not a great game by Johnston. Uh, he was. Based with Sauce Gardner for most of the game, um, Sauce Gardner just happened to be across from him based on where Johnston typically lines up, but also Johnston at times went to the other side and Sauce Gardner typically doesn't travel with wide receivers, but he did for at least a couple of snaps in this game. So a little bit understandable here, given the matchup. Ideally, Johnston starts to see a little bit more production with how much playing time he's receiving now, and he should be in that role for at least the next three weeks with Palmer on injury reserve. And then uh, the Jets wide receivers. It was a Randall Cobb who was inactive a week ago, but he was on the injury report. was limited in practice all week. was listed as questionable. Didn't think much of it when he was inactive for that game, but he was not on the or he was on the injury report, but as a full participant in practice all week. So we thought he would be playing in this game, but he was again inactive. So it seems like. At this point, he's been benched since he doesn't do much on special teams either. That leads him to being inactive. He's only caught, I think, three passes all season. So not too surprising he's been benched. So uh, Xavier Gibson was the fourth wide receiver for a lot of games this season. He emerged as the third wide receiver. Uh, Last week, it was Malik Taylor getting a lot of the snaps in place of Cobb. But this week, it was pretty clearly Gibson's role to be the third wide receiver. Almost always on the field in three wide receiver sets. Ended up with two catches for 32 yards. Uh, He only had one career catch before this point, so good for him. And then it's at least possible Gibson could see more playing time going forward. Alan Lazard really hasn't been doing much in this offense either. So if they get to a point where they aren't happy with Lazard either, then we could see Gibson getting even more playing time.
1: Yeah, interesting stuff there, and yeah, it's, it's it's a bummer. I guess Aaron Rodgers not being in the lineup doesn't help uh, Randall Cobb's uh, spot in there either, but... Yeah, uh, again, the Jets offense is what it is. Uh, I mean, even Troy Aikman felt pretty disgusted with with, with what he was watching on, on, on Monday night. It was kind of funny to listen to. But um, yeah, there wasn't, yeah, like you said, a, a lot of key takeaways there. Quentin Johnston, obviously, we'd expect a little bit more from him, probably in better matchups, like you said. Sauce Gardner following him around, and it looked like DJ Reed, and, and they were doubling um, Keenan Allen a little bit on the other side as well. And I think, yeah, Johnston's like one like bigger catch that was over 10 yards was against Brandon Echols too. So um, yeah, there, there'll be better matchups for Johnston with Josh Palmer on injured reserve. So that, that could be better going forward here, but uh, yeah, we'll get into some top waiver wire targets here in a second. Um, I do just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor fabric by Gerber life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist, and the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget for less than... Uh, for. a Sorry, um, your budget for poli- quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online your, and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabriccom slash fantasy. That's meatfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T-fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Oh, sorry, fighting a cold and I am choking on my own throat over here as I try to talk. So I apologize for that. Um, all right, dude, let's get into uh, the top waiver wire targets here heading into week 10. And we'll start things off uh, with the quarterbacks as the uh, quarterback graveyard kind of continues to grow with the injury. Grim Reaper out here having a field day, most recently claiming Daniel Jones uh, and his ACL as the latest victim. Um, but luckily, there are some reinforcements available and maybe none better than this first name on the list here, making his 2023 debut after tearing his ACL late last year. Um, it's Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals rostered in 36 percent of ESPN leagues. Nate, we know the upside of, of Kyler and, and why we like him as a waiver wire target. But how confident are you that he can get back to that top 10 fantasy quarterback for this second half of the season here?
0: Um, I'm somewhat confident. I'm a little bit concerned about his ability to run the ball, recovering from the injury, and he was already running the ball less last season. But Arizona is also going to need to throw the ball a lot to stay in game. So I expect Murray to see plenty of passing opportunities. I think he does a good job throwing deep balls, and he has wide receivers that can take advantage of that. So I think that's also a positive sign for Murray. And Joshua Dobbs was a almost borderline fantasy starter throughout his time in Arizona. So we've seen an Arizona quarterback be a fantasy starter at times throughout the season already, and would expect Murray to be playing better than what Dobbs was playing. So uh could very well see it happening. I think it's risky. If you consider all the quarterbacks that are injured, that certainly helps Murray's case as well. So a little bit of a gamble, but the fact that you have someone who could maybe be a 50-50 shot of being a top 10 fantasy quarterback over the rest of the season, being able to get them off the waiver wire now is great. But I also know he's been our top guy for the past two weeks. So hopefully a lot of you have already picked him up. Probably isn't available in a lot of leagues that you guys are in, but hopefully if he is, feel free to pick him up now because this is the last chance that you'll have to get him. Yeah, makes sense. And, and Arizona made sure
1: um, to use Clayton Toon as the uh, sacrificial lamb against the Browns defense um, before bringing Kyler back here, uh, just in time to face the Falcons. So that should be a, a fun matchup here uh, this week. And from one Arizona quarterback who is about to face off against Arthur Smith's Falcons to a former Arizona quarterback who just beat Arthur Smith's Falcons um, and the hero of Minnesota, the Pastronaut, uh Josh Dobbs of the Minnesota Vikings is rostered in 16.6 percent of espn leagues how you feeling about uh josh Dobbs uh going forward
0: i think he's pretty intriguing at first i wasn't sure if i'd include him but the more that i thought about it the more that i was uh happy to include him and was more excited about what he can potentially do going forward we really didn't touch on him too much during his time in Arizona and part because we knew that he wasn't going to be the long term option. So you would only ever be picking him up to be the short term option in Arizona. And there was never a point where he had clearly the best matchup that week or anything like that. So Now that he's in Minnesota, definitely has better weapons than he had in Arizona. Uh, Jordan Addison's been one of the top fantasy wide receivers while Justin Jefferson's been out, which has been great to see, and TJ Hawkinson, obviously one of the best tight ends in the league. Hopefully Justin Jefferson is back sooner rather than later. They're unsure if they will open his 21-day practice window this week or not, I think going through test uh yesterday and today so we'll see how that ends up but i would expect jefferson back sometime in these next couple of weeks so that is huge for dobbs and a uh, great story him coming off the bench this past week and what he was able to do without knowing much of the offense or his teammates to that point but uh great to see from that perspective and he's someone who is able to run the ball uh, leading the league and scramble yards per scramble for a quarterback so far this season uh, one of the top quarterbacks in terms of just scramble yards in general. So he uh, has that rushing ability too. So I think being able to play in the Vikings offense, he's not going to be as accurate of a quarterback as Kirk Cousins was, but he's going to be able to run the ball more than Kirk Cousins was running the ball. So might be able to put up similar overall numbers to what Cousins was doing in terms of total fantasy points. And Cousins was a fantasy starter, so Dobbs has a chance to be a fantasy starter over the rest of the season. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. Definitely one of those intriguing options, especially because of the weapons, like you said, there in Minnesota. And if if uh, Justin Jefferson gets back soon as well, that makes it all the more interesting for Josh Dobbs. Um, Perhaps maybe a more established starter here, maybe a safer option also on the waiver wire list this week. Uh, Derek Carr of the New Orleans Saints is rostered in thirty four point six percent of ESPN leagues.
0: Uh yeah. It's been a little over a month now where he's just consistently put up solid performance after performance, just consistently finishing among the top 16 fantasy quarterbacks. If you looked at what he did over the first month, it wasn't that good, but since then it's just been games like he had against Chicago over 200 passing yards, two touchdowns, uh, his top or uh, fifth most in uh, passing yards over the past five weeks. Uh, Near the top at touchdowns as well, and the same time the third easiest schedule over the rest of the season. So, will be a lot of been a lot of good matchups so far, but it'll continue to be a lot of good matchups. So, I don't think he's going to be someone who will have a lot of top five finishes over the rest of the season, but I think he should have plenty of top twelve finishes. So, maybe not someone who will win you your league, but someone who, while we have another four weeks of bye weeks ahead and all the injuries we have at quarterback. Uh, you can do a lot worse than having Carr at quarterback. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and
1: yeah, he had a nice stretch of like three straight 300 plus yard passing games there going into last week. And yeah, like you said, 211 last week. There's weapons there as well. So maybe a nice safe option for those bye weeks. Um, also on the list is Will Levis of the Tennessee Titans rostered in 39% of leagues. He had that fairytale first NFL start with the four touchdown games, then had to go into Pittsburgh on Thursday. It was a different story, obviously, but, um, still like Will Levis here, uh, in Tennessee for the rest of the season.
0: Uh, yeah, didn't do as well in his second game, but still has a very high big time throw rate. He continued to have a high big time throw rate on thursday night football it was just he also had a very high turnover worthy throw rate so wasn't the best game for him but in terms of fantasy production having someone who has a high big time throw rate as well as a high turnover worthy throw rate is still fine because those big plays outweigh those potential interceptions from a fantasy perspective even though it might not work out in a real life perspective but i think that's good to see. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's dropped from a number of leagues after that Thursday night performance. So again, someone that I might not be starting every week, but someone that I think is worth picking up to just see if he can put up games similar to what he did in his first start. So uh, intrigued by him, even though he has a pretty high roster ship right now, but I'd expect that to be going down after Thursday night football. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And, and yeah, that, that's
1: definitely what makes him intriguing, right? That field flipping arm strength, as, as the great Steve Palazzolo would say. Um, yeah, four big time throws and three turnover worthy plays uh, on Thursday, but um, could put, get some better matchups here going forward. And the last quarterback on the list is Taylor Heineke of the Atlanta Falcons rostered in just 4.4% of ESPN leagues. Um, we know he's got weapons as well, although Drake London was out last week. Um, we do expect him back pretty
0: soon as well. Uh, Yeah, was able to throw for 268 yards in his first start with Atlanta, a touchdown and an interception. So not the greatest game you've seen, but like you said, Drake London was missing. He will continue to have good weapons in Atlanta, even if he's not the best real-life quarterback, but the Falcons also have the best schedule for quarterbacks in the fantasy playoffs. So um, interesting if you pick him up, see what he does over the rest of the season and potentially start him when it's most important. Um. also plays the Chicago Bears in the fantasy championship week. Uh, Chicago's allowed the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season, so also could help from that perspective. So again, someone that I'm probably not super excited about outside of super flex leagues, but if you're in one of these deeper leagues where the four guys that we've already talked about are already taken and you are looking for a quarterback, Heineke is probably the top guy I'd consider.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Um, All right. That's our quarterbacks. Let's move on to some running backs here and we'll start with the big name uh, from this past week. And we, we talked about him uh, yesterday on the, the recap show, Keaton Mitchell of the Baltimore Ravens. So for those that uh, potentially missed last uh, yesterday's episode, uh, what do we like about Keaton Mitchell's role in this Ravens offense?
0: So he was the only running back to put up a hundred rushing yards this past week, which was great to see in his first real game with NFL action on the offense. In his first game, he only played special teams, and his second game, only two offensive snaps. So, this was his first real action with the offense, and he did an excellent job. He graded really well in the run game as well. Uh, This game started with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill in a rotation, and then it was really in the second and third quarter where Mitchell did all of his damage. This was a game where it was a blowout for the ravens and in the fourth quarter it was tyler huntley playing throughout the quarter but it was justice hell playing in the fourth quarter this wasn't a game where it was just a blowout and then mitchell did really well after the blowout already happened and it was garbage time mitchell was part of the reason that this game was a blowout earlier and he was not getting those fourth quarter snaps with the backups so I think this is something where the Ravens will continue to have a three man rotation, which is not ideal for fantasy managers in the short term, probably hurts Gus Edwards fantasy value since Edwards played a lot early in the game, but didn't really play much throughout the last three quarters of the game, he ended up with two touchdowns, but he didn't run the ball nearly as much as other games So, would be concerned about Edwards going forward. Um, So Mitchell isn't a sure thing at running back, but I think with how well he played, he could overtake Gus Edwards as the top running back uh, and also take time from Justice Hill as well. So Mitchell has the possibility of being a top 15 running back late in the season if he's able to earn that role. And I don't think there's a ton of other young running backs who have that big potential to earn a lot of playing time over the rest of the season, unless there's an injury. So Mitchell, probably the main guy who has the opportunity to become a clear starter over the second half of the season and probably the top person worth gambling on outside of players when there's an injury over the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, I I think that makes sense. And, And like you said, there's at least some kind of you know encouraging tea leaves there to read right in that he didn't get those, you know, those garbage time snaps and got that kind of starter rest treatment there late in the fourth quarter. So yeah, definitely interested in Keaton Mitchell as well. Um, Let's talk about the Chicago Bears backfield again. And, and they've made this list a few times as well. But Deontay Foreman of the Chicago Bears drops to just 46.9% of, of ESPN leagues in roster ship. We know that Khalil Herbert has been designated to return from IR as well. So that could throw a wrench into things, but still, you know, some decent signs that uh, Deontay Foreman could be um, useful for fantasy purposes going forward.
0: Uh, yeah, they relied on Foreman a lot more than their other running backs this past week. With how well he's been running, he ran the ball 20 times for 83 yards. Roshan Johnson only ran the ball twice, was more of a receiving back. So Johnson is someone that we were excited about with how well he played early in the season and was basically basing our future projections off of how he did over those first two or three games. But we're at about six or seven games where... Johnson really hasn't done that much in terms of rushing or receiving production. I think Johnson will still be a part of the offense, especially on third downs or two-minute drills going forward. But that's not going to be enough situations for him to have much fantasy production. And I think this will be a three-man committee what we were fearing at the start of the season. But I think Foreman will still continue to see maybe half of the early down snaps and that'll get him half of the carries. So not great in terms of upside when you're only seeing half of the carries, but in terms of the running backs that are available off the waiver wire, Foreman's the only other one that I expect to see significant carries both this weekend going forward. Uh, Herbert was a full participation in practice, so I fully expect Herbert to at least see some playing time on Thursday night, but I still expect Foreman to be on the field a lot, potentially getting double-digit carries, and I don't think anyone else that we're talking about today will have the possibility of getting double-digit carries outside of an entry this week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and going against Carolina, it's a really great matchup for running backs as well. It's a short week. So you don't know how much Khalil Herbert's really going to factor in coming off injured reserve. They might ease him into action. So it still could be a very good matchup for Deontay Foreman for those that have been starting him. Um also, another interesting one here Zach Charbonnet of the Seattle Seahawks rostered in 30.4% of ESPN leagues. We've talked about him a little bit as well. And we've even talked about him in some of the recap episodes too, because he had outsnapped Kenneth Walker uh, last week. But he's also outsnapped Kenneth Walker again this past week.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. And a lot of that had to do with game script. Uh, Seattle had 10 plays on third downs, had nine plays in two minute drills, did not run a ton of plays in other situations. So. This was still Walker taking a lot of the early down snaps and Charbonnet taking a lot of the late down snaps, which a late down running back typically isn't great for fantasy football. But Charbonnet, we know how good he is as a rusher. He's converted 40% of his carries into a first down so far this season, so that's an excellent rate, something that would regress if he starts seeing more carries over time. But he's generally played either just as good as Walker in the run game or sometimes slightly better. So I would not be all that surprised if Charbonnet starts seeing more touches than he's been seeing, in Walker sees a little bit less. Uh, Seattle has a little bit of a rough schedule over the stretch. So Charbonnet, I expect to be on the field a lot based on the matchups that they have going forward. So he's not someone that i put in fantasy starting lineups right now because he's not seeing those touches. But we know the talent he had coming into the league and he's starting to see more opportunities. So someone that could see even more opportunities and potentially be a fantasy starter down the line.
1: Yeah, makes sense for sure. And another name on the list here is Devin Singletary of the Houston Texans. We've talked about him a little bit as well and him taking over uh, some of the the, the key snaps there in that Texans backfield. And Damian Pierce was out this past week as well. So that brought Singletary's roster ship up a a fair bit as well here at 47.6%. How are you feeling about Devin Singletary uh, for the rest of this season?
0: I'm not feeling super great about him but he did <laughs> on the bright side take nearly all of the early down snaps so luckily this was not a committee with Damien Pierce out so that was at least good to see that Singletary is capable of being that every down not quite every down running back because he wasn't playing as much on third downs but he did take the majority of two-minute drill snaps only ran the, or he ran the ball 13 times, which was great to see, but he only gained 26 yards and uh, two passes for no yards. So it wasn't really the biggest game in terms of fantasy production, but any time a running back is capable of taking nearly all of the early down snaps, getting double digit carries. We don't know if Pierce is going to end up missing more time or not. So those kind of running backs at least should be on rosters, even though Houston at least now we know Pierce maybe hasn't been the problem. It might be Houston's offense in general for the running backs because no one's been able to put up much production from this backfield. So because the fact that no one's been able to do all that great, not too excited about Singletary. But again, there are plenty of leagues where if you can get a guy who's getting double digit carries, you're starting a guy that could double gets. That's getting double digit carries. I know I'm in a league where I am stuck starting Singletary and other players like him just because it's a 14 team dynasty league where I am rebuilding and do not have that depth at running back, but Singletary is at least worth it in some leagues yeah yeah sometimes we just got to kind of plug our nose and
1: start these guys and 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 hope for the best because the volume uh is there potentially but yeah i i'm with you i i have Devin singletary also in some deeper leagues as well and it never feels great starting them but you do what you have to do to survive um now nate i I like what you've done here um this week by listing some of the top handcuffs that are available as well and and these guys are all um rostered in below 20 percent of espn leagues they all have a shot to kind of be the next man up should something happen of the team's lead back. So we have Travion Williams of the Cincinnati Bengals, Tank Bigsby of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Zamir White of the Las Vegas Raiders, Joshua Kelly of the Los Angeles Chargers, Rico Dowdle of the Dallas Cowboys, Matt Breida of the New York Giants, Kenneth Gainwell of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Ty Chandler of the Minnesota Vikings. So anyone that you want to talk about
0: specifically from this group? First, I'll talk generally uh, philosophy with roster construction. We're getting to a point where half of the teams have already had their bye week. We still have the other half that have bye weeks, but you're getting to a point where you might not need a backup quarterback on your fantasy roster because bye weeks aren't happening anymore. So you're just starting your guy over the rest of the season, similar at tight end. At wide receiver probably getting to the point where you might have some guys at the bottom of your roster who are nfl starters but they're just not better than the other guys on your team and you're not starting them so it might be better to use some of those roster spots on someone who's more of a gamble who isn't doing anything right now but if there is an injury to the starting running back he these guys are players who could be fantasy starters down the stretch um, I think Kenneth Gainwell, probably the most interesting of the group, just being in Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia, especially down the stretch, has a very good ru- schedule for running backs, and we know what the Eagles' offense is capable of doing. Um, I had my five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high. That went out today, and I talked about uh, DeAndre Swift there because of this schedule, and also uh, they have one of the ru- – offensive lineman coming back from injury soon, so that should help the run game in general. So even though Swift hasn't been doing quite as good recently, expect Swift to be playing better, but for a similar logic, if something were to happen to Swift and he'd be out with an injury, and he does have that injury history, then Gainwell would be the guy in Philadelphia with a good offensive line and a good schedule. So Gainwell's probably the top guy that I'd like from this group, but... We've seen how much Jacksonville relies on the run game. So even though Tank Bigsby has largely disappointed this season compared to that preseason hype, but if something were to happen to Travis Etienne, then I'd expect Bigsby to be the clearer guy. And some of these other situations, like we saw last night with the Chargers, Joshua Kelly got involved plenty and they didn't have either of their other backup running backs on the active roster. They were perfectly happy just to have those two running backs. So Kelly is, clearly ahead of the other running backs in Los Angeles and they rely on their running back a lot too so definitely some intriguing options here so guys that I'd consider if you have those open roster spots where the guy on the bench isn't doing anything so might as well get someone with a lot more upside over the stretch rather than someone where you know what he is and he's not really going to help your fantasy team anymore this season yeah Makes sense.
1: And yeah, there's definitely some good, interesting names there going forward, especially like you said, Nate, if you your bye weeks are beyond your quarterbacks at this point, and you can afford to add maybe some potential backup running backs in there. Definitely a a good strategy to kind of focus on here for the latter half of the season. Uh, Before we go on to the other positions here, uh, I do want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks prize picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game how does it work you pick two to six players and if they will go more or less than their Prize picks projection you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry so Nate, last night we had, uh, we got the Joey Bosa over 0. 0.25 sacks. He also added uh, two more sacks on top of that. So that was nice of him. Um, and then, like you said, Bryce Hall, I, that was crazy. I, I can't believe he did not hit the over 20 and a half. So we'll go one and one, but we got a couple more um, going into this week here. So uh, I'll let you start us off. Which
0: one uh, do you like for for week 10? I will go with one for Thursday night, since that's uh, more close in my head right now, since it's a couple days away. But uh, Chuba Hubbard, I think he will have less than 45.5 rushing yards. Uh, Chicago hasn't had a lot of things go right for them this year, but their run defense has been very good so far this season allowing 3.3 yards per carry, which is the lowest among all teams. And the last couple games, they faced Josh Jacobs, who had 11 carries for 27 yards, Austin Eckler, 15 carries for 29 yards, and Alvin Kamara, 9 carries for 25 yards. So faced a lot of former Pro Bowl running backs and have been able to shut all three of them down. And especially with this being a short week as well, and we saw Miles Sanders get a little bit more playing time, this past week and probably looked the best that he's looked all season in the run game. So uh, considering Hubbard has seen a uh, double digit carries each of the last three weeks, and it's the short week, I wouldn't be surprised if they rotate their running backs a little bit more than they have been. So when you pair up the strong run defense with a little bit more um, competition in the run game, I don't think Hubbard will be able to get to that 45.5 rushing yards.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That Chicago defense has been deceptively good against the run. And, uh, the one that I went with is not for a Thursday night game. I'm realizing that it is for Monday night's game coming up. So we'll get to double up on this on Monday. Um, and that is Dalton Kincaid, uh, over 45 and a half receiving yards against the Denver Denver Broncos. Um, he's hit over 60 receiving yards in three straight games. Josh Allen looking for him, uh, often on offense and the Broncos also given up the fourth most points to tight ends as well. So they haven't been great at defending, um, the tight ends either, so I'm going with Dalton Kincaid over 45 and a half. You got Chuba Hubbard under 45 and a half rushing yards, so we will see uh if we can go 2 and 0 this week. um At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people; it's just you versus the projections. So go to PrizePicks.com/slash PFF Fantasy and use code PFF Fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's PrizePicks.com/slash PFF Fantasy and use code PFF Fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, let's talk some wide receiver options here. Can be a difficult position to replace in season, so we have some good options here to consider. And start start off with one that that I really like in Arizona, uh, third round rookie out of Stanford, Michael Wilson, rostered in just seven and a half percent of ESPN leagues. What do we like about Michael Wilson, Nate?
0: So Wilson uh, has been very good this season when he's been healthy, at least 50 receiving yards in five of his seven games, which is excellent for a third round rookie wide receiver. I missed this past week with an injury, but what I'm most excited about is uh, Kyler Murray is coming back. So Murray uh, from 2019 to 2021 was a top eight quarterback in terms of deep passing yards. And Wilson has a 15.2 average depth of target. Um, third highest among wide receivers with at least 25 targets this season. So he is one of the bigger deep threats in the league right now. So I think having Wilson pairing him up with Murray will lead to even more receiving yards than what we've seen in the past. So Wilson's been consistent getting at least 50 receiving yards. And if he starts boosting that up to pretty consistently getting 70 or 80 receiving yards, then you have a fantasy starter. I know It's going to be a little bit difficult since he isn't going to be someone who sees a ton of receptions each game because he's more of that deep threat, so he might be a little bit more inconsistent from one week to another. But I think that also means that he should have some weeks where he has two or three big plays, one of them going for a touchdown, and then you're very happy that you had him in your lineup.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice Yeah, he's he's a fun player, and and writing up the wide receiver man zone coverage report every week too. He's one that I've highlighted a couple times in in for like deeper leagues. His numbers against man and zone are pretty night and day as well. He's by far the best on the team versus zone coverage. Seventy five point five receiving grade versus zone, three hundred thirty nine receiving yards and a touchdown. Two point one seven yards per route run against zone as well. Leads all wide Arizona wide receivers in that in that category. Um, so somewhere to look at, especially against those more like zone heavy teams in Atlanta, who. They They're playing next is about 13th in that regard. So a little bit above average uh, in zone coverage rates. So something to keep an eye on uh, going forward for Michael uh, Wilson in matchups. And another player here that's interesting and group that we've talked about a bit here is the New England Patriots wide receivers. But Demario Douglas um, is is emerging here because Kendrick Bourne has a torn ACL. He's done for the year. So this is a, a new potential top wide receiver now for the New England Patriots.
0: Uh, yeah, I think he is clearly the top guy for New England going forward, and he has been throughout the season outside of Kendrick Bourne. Uh, already started to see more playing time in recent weeks, even before the injury started heading these Patriots wide receivers. But he was consistently on the field in 11 personnel, was on the field the majority of the time in 12 personnel as well. So seeing the number of snaps that you would expect to see out of a starting wide receiver, and he's been clearly the best one in the Patriots outside of Bourne this season. Averages 1.81 yards per route run, which is the highest of all the healthy Patriots players, including their tight ends and running backs, and no one else is above 1.12, so a clear distance between him and everyone else would expect him to start seeing more targets because of the injury to Bourne, so I think Douglas has a lot of potential for the rest of the season, similar to what we had seen out of Bourne over the past month or so. So I think Douglas is someone that should not only be rostered, but he's probably someone who could be in fantasy starting lineups more weeks than not over the rest of the season yeah, I'm with you
1: there for sure. Um all right, let's go to well, we another guy that that's been on the list a few times, but he's been injured. He hasn't, you know been in lineups for for a few weeks, But coming out of the bye week, Zay Jones of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, rostered in twenty two percent of ESPN leagues. Looking good for Zay Jones to get back in the lineup here this week, you think, Nate?
0: would hope so. It sounds like they still aren't sure when exactly he will be back, so a little bit difficult to know if this is finally going to be the week or not. I hope it is, and I hope he's back sooner rather than later. Um, It's the same reasons that I've liked him all the other weeks. He just hasn't had a chance to prove it because of the injuries, (laughs) but uh, he just scores a lot of touchdowns, and he's on the field a lot uh, opposite of Calvin Ridley. I think defenses will focus more on Ridley, more focus more on Kirk, which will allow Jones to be a little bit more open. And I think Jacksonville's offense can support multiple players. So I think Jones is someone who can be a fantasy starter. He was a fantasy starter in terms of just total fantasy points last season. So I think he's able to get to that point again, assuming he's able to get back to 100%, but it's unclear if that will happen at some point this season. So not someone that you want if you're looking for a fantasy starter this week or the following week, but someone who could be a fantasy starter later in November and December.
1: Nice. Um, And then a couple deeper league names here for sure. So Jalen Tolbert of the Dallas Cowboys rostered in 0.1% of ESPN leagues and Cedric Wilson of the Miami Dolphins rostered in 0.2% of ESPN leagues. So again, deeper leagues here, um, but anybody that you want to focus on here, maybe the man that Dak is looking for on crucial fourth downs
0: uh, in Jalen Tolbert. Oh yeah, we'll go with Tolbert. And this is similar to what we were talking about with the handcuffed running backs of we're getting to a point where if you have a guy on your bench who isn't going to do much over the rest of the season, isn't going to be in your starting lineup, then maybe it's better to get someone that has more upside who could start becoming a fantasy starter over the rest of the season with more uncertainty with what will happen. So Tolbert is someone who has seen a bit more playing time the last two weeks. Uh, He also saw more playing time in week five when Brandon Cooks was out, but now All the Cowboys wide receivers are healthy, and Tolbert is starting to get more involved. Uh, Taking playing time from Michael Gallup. Gallup fell under 50% of offensive snaps this past week, so Tolbert uh, was seeing some snaps in three wide receiver sets. Also saw a couple in two wide receiver sets where Gallup was not involved at all in two wide receiver sets. And then Tolbert ended up, looking better as a receiver this past week and also these past couple weeks he's getting more yards per route run than Gallup. at 1.2 yards per route run compared to 0.8 by Gallup, so could very well see tolbert continuing to see his playing time rise become the clear third wide receiver in dallas potentially and Uh, The Cowboys offense has the potential to support multiple wide receivers. Brandon Cooks has been up and down at times, and CeeDee Lamb has been excellent these past couple weeks, but I don't see Lamb continuing to get over 150 yards each game. So some of those yards will have to go to someone else. So potentially it could be Tolbert, who was a very talented player coming out of college and just had a poor rookie year, but it seems like he's really starting to put things together.
1: Yeah, nice. A nice little stash option there. And then even in Dynasty League, he could be available as well. So somebody to kind of keep an eye out for. Um, and then we talked a, a little bit yesterday about the the Jalen Waddle injury and why we like Cedric Wilson. Um, they are going into a, a bye week in week 10. So it's possible that Waddle kind of gets back to his full workload. But um, anything else that you want to expand upon for for Cedric Wilson here?
0: Yeah, we'll also note that Wilson started to take time for Braxton Berrios out of 11 personnel. Uh, Berrios had been playing 94% of snaps in 11 personnel the first eight weeks of the season. That fell to 45% uh, in their Sunday morning game. So Wilson, even though he's the clear backup to Jalen Waddle, Wilson is also getting involved, even if Waddle is fully healthy. And this is a Dolphins offense that has been putting up so many points and only has the two clear receiver options so wilson could emerge as a third option and get plenty of targets going forward and yeah they have the running backs who are also able to catch the ball but i think wilson um, can emerge as the third wide receiver over barrios going forward And if Waddle does end up missing time because he has missed some significant time in two of the last three games, then Wilson could be the second option. So someone to consider both because of the injury, but also because the Dolphins just seem to be trusting him more than they have over the past year plus. All right, good stuff. Um, All
1: right, before we go on to the last position group, um, we do have one more ad break here, and this is from Manscaped. Huge dramatic music, public service announcement. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Uh, gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you the below the, below, uh, below the waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. AI is cool, but I think this might be the biggest technological advancement the world has ever seen. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with with code PFF. High tech for low places. Manscaped, every man knows how scary it is. Can get when you go when you're going for a close shave below the belt. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Inside this package, you'll find the star of the show, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Their fifth-generation trimmer features two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. Uh, taking it on the go, Manscaped has you covered. This puppy comes with a travel case and even a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering and/or weird looks in the airport. This right here is on the cutting edge of cutting pubes. Um, upgrade your ball trimmer and your life will follow. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. I could promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. Get yours today from our folks at Manscaped. All right, let's wrap up our waiver wire targets for this week with the tight ends. And naturally, that means we start with a guy who isn't even really a tight end. He's kind of the definition of like a true Swiss Army knife here in the NFL. It is Taysom Hill of the New Orleans Saints rostered in 39% of ESPN leagues. Nate, uh, what do we like about Taysom Hill?
0: Yeah. So Hill is someone that I've had high in my rankings some individual weeks, but wasn't too excited for him long-term because I had always thought that he was getting more playing time early in the season because running backs were dealing with injuries and Kamara suspension. And then more recently, he was seeing more time at tight end because Juwan Johnson was out. Uh, Foster Murrow also missed some time. So I always thought it was more Hill getting playing time because of other players being out. But this past week, Uh, Everyone came into the game healthy, and Hill was still heavily involved in the offense. This was the second straight week where he received double-digit snaps at quarterback, and he is seeing snaps at tight end. They've been happy enough with him at tight end that Jimmy Graham was a healthy and active for this game, so went with three tight ends, including Hill, rather than the four tight ends that they were using early in the season and it's been working. Hill has been the more effective runner on the team compared to Alvin Kamara. He is getting more involved as a receiver than he has at any point in his career, so it's been all good to see. He has the ninth most fantasy points on PPR leagues for tight ends, a uh, fourth most if you look at standard leagues because he is getting that rushing production, so someone that I was only really considering as a one-week option at a at a time early in the season, but now it seems like Hill is an important part of the Saints offense, even though they have all of these other noteworthy names, but Hill is still getting involved. So i uh, happy to have Hill in my lineup going forward until the Saints give me a reason to not have him in my lineup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And, and you mentioned him kind of lining up in different places here. I I got his snap alignment breakdown. It's 25% of his snaps at quarterback, 8% in the backfield, 16% as an inline tight end. 35% in the slot and 16% out wide. So really doing everything. The man is like the football equivalent of a hot dog. It's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, all mixed into one wonderful invention there for Taysom Hill. So uh, yeah, interesting uh, usage, and it's always led to decent fantasy production as well. So definitely be looking to add Taysom Hill. Um, all right, let's talk about another tight end on the list here. And one that is currently on IR, but could be a nice little sneaky early pickup for those in desperate need of tight end help. And that is Pat Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers rostered in 40% of ESPN leagues.
0: Ah, oh, yeah. Like you said, I'm injured reserve, I think he will still be out for another week or two. Plus, I don't remember if the Steelers have their bye week in there as well, but not picking Fryermuth up for the short term, but more picking him up for the long term. Uh, He was drafted to be a top 10 fantasy tight end. I didn't have the greatest start of the season, but it was only over the course of a game or two. So not too concerned about how he started the 2023 season, but he does have a very favorable matchup for tight ends. They have the fifth easiest schedule for tight ends over the course of the rest of the season, fantasy playoffs. They play the Bengals and the Colts, two of the top six teams at allowing fantasy points to tight ends. So I think even though he hasn't had the strongest start of the season and has been injured a lot, assuming he is able to get healthy, I think he can be a fantasy starter for teams during the fantasy playoffs or in December in general. So I would be happy to pick him up for any fantasy manager that gave up on him over the time that he's been out with an injury. So I think it's worth seeing if he's available on the waiver wire and someone worth stashing if he is available. Yeah, for sure. And I think the Steelers, yeah, they've already had their bye
1: week as well. So it could be, you know, there's there's um, there's there's open opportunity for him to play in every game once he does get back as well or every week. That is sorry. Um, All right. Let's talk about another tight end. And it's one we've talked about a lot, but he just got his first career touchdown. Luke Musgrave of the Green Bay Packers rostered in 17.2 percent. We still like Luke Musgrave quite a bit and nice to see him get that touchdown right Nate?
0: Yep. Good to see him get the touchdown. He also had a career high 51 receiving yards, So not a huge amount of yards, but still a step in the right direction for him. And he was someone that we liked him early in the season in part because of how much playing time he was getting, but then he was getting banged up a little bit. So he hadn't been seeing as much playing time these past couple weeks, but it's slowly, but surely been getting back to what it was early in the season, playing upwards of 80% of offensive snaps, which is great to see for a tight end. So, Um, a chance that Musgrave continues to get more involved in the Packers offense, uh, has a respectable target rate of 17.6%. Ideally, that goes up by just a little bit, and if it does go up by a little bit, then he'd be a fantasy starter. Um, Of course, if the Packers offense starts playing better, that would also be huge for Musgrave in general, but even if the Packers offense continues to struggle, if Musgrave can reach 19 20% of targets, then he'd be right where you want him to be, to consider him for your fantasy starting lineup
1: nice um all right a couple other names here and that is Johnu smith of the atlanta falcons rostered in 27 percent of espn leagues he's just seventh among uh tight ends and receiving yards this year with 422 and fourth in yards per route run at 1.94 so Johnu smith still widely available Nick.
0: Yeah, he had his 100 yards. He's one of only two tight ends with two games of 95-plus yards this season. So even though I don't know if his production will continue, it's kind of hard to ignore him when he has these two big games on his resume. Um, He was consistently seeing 22% of targets from weeks 2 to 5, so uh, was a bit higher than him a month or so ago. His target share had dipped over the past month. Uh, Was back up for this game, so at least... in Interested to see what he'll do going forward with uh, Taylor Heineke at quarterbacks. Heineke likes him as a target for more than just one game. Uh, His 100 yards and a touchdown, a lot of it came on one screen pass where he ended up uh, breaking it open for 60 yards for that touchdown. So a lot of his production came on that one play, but still caught five passes, which is good for a tight end in general. So not someone that I'm going to be putting in my fantasy starting lineup this week, but just a wait and see option to see if Heineke continues to target him a lot.
1: Yep, makes sense. And then last name on the list, maybe for those deeper leagues uh, at tight end here, it is Cade Otten of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, rostered in 7.4% of ESPN leagues. He's had great usage, nearly had the game-winning touchdown this past week, if not for the CJ Stroud heroics as well. So uh, what do we like about Cade Otten in
0: Tampa Bay? Um, so he caught 70 receiving yards and two touchdowns. So when you do that good, you have to be at least listed in a waiver article. <laughs> But uh, his playing time has never been an issue. He's had 100% of offensive snaps, has played at least 96% of offensive snaps in all but one game this season. And that one game, it was only 91% of snaps. So his playing time is elite for a tight end. If he had the targets or production at at some other tight end, see he'd be a top five fantasy tight end. He just hasn't been seeing the targets. uh, 14.3 target rate, which is not all that great for a tight end um that was higher in this game but it's also worth noting that the buccaneers have a top five bent to schedule for tight ends over the rest of the season so a chance that on is able to continue playing well with good matchups so it'll be good to see fe's able to get his target rate higher than what it's been so far in his career after having this good of a game but um, seeing him have a lower target rate in most games this season. I'm not holding out too much hope, but there's at least a possibility. And if he does start seeing those targets, then he has the potential to be very, very good based on his usage and base, or based on his playing time and routes run and based on the schedule. So all he needs is that targets, but that targets is a big thing that he needs. Yeah, makes sense. And yeah,
1: that is going to do it for our waiver wire targets for this week. So hopefully you all found that helpful. Um there's definitely plenty of names to kind of consider there, especially as injuries and bye weeks continue to be uh an issue here for the next few weeks. Um but yeah, that's going to do it. You could also check out Nate's waiver wire article if you did miss anything from today. It's up on pff.com right now. Um but yeah, that'll do it for the fantasy portion of our podcast here and Nate, it's Tuesday. So we have to do our five round draft and uh, last week was our Halloween candy that I uh, messed up royally by not getting the poll out there uh, on time we had um, yeah I was rushing around like crazy and getting the kids ready for Halloween and uh, yeah it uh, it the the episode was no longer relevant essentially by the time that I was able to get back to the computer um, but uh, we'll give you the win on that one because yeah you had Reese's peanut butter cups which I think a lot of people uh, would have loved and then I had a bunch of uh, Canadian candies as well that uh, nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about so you get the win on this one today we're going with best marvel tv series how you feeling about the about this one today
0: a little bit concerned because you have the first pick here and i think that'll give you a little bit of an advantage early in the draft since i think i know what at least your first i know what two of your three options will be with your (laughs) first two picks but we'll see how it goes
1: yeah, yeah, the first pick I, I feel like is is a fairly obvious one uh, that, for me, anyways. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll start to right rate off. I, I'm going with Daredevil, um, the, the Netflix series Daredevil. Um, we it is going to become a Disney Plus series at some point, I believe. Uh, they keep delaying it and, and pushing it off, but I think this was like kind of the clear cut number one pick for me um the, the show was just so good and definitely violent and, and gruesome but also very well done charlie cox's daredevil and vincent d'onofrio as kingpin was uh pretty amazing
0: yeah that's fair it was either that or loki so i'm gonna go with loki yeah. for my pick with the uh current show going on and we're picking shows rather than seasons of shows so the second season is also part of this for loki and hopefully it ends on a high note on thursday but the first season it i just think was the best disney plus show that we've seen out of marvel so far so and i think that's not universally agreed on but i think a lot of people also hold that opinion that loki is the top one so happy to get loki especially because that's currently going on
1: yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think that is probably the top. Like of the Disney Plus versions, I, I think it would. Yeah, it would have been Loki for me as well. Even though, yeah, we haven't seen the end of season two here, and the, the, I've, I'm not completely caught up. I think I have one more, and then the finale and last couple have been okay. They've just been okay. Um, so we'll see how it kind of finishes it off here. Um, but yeah, I like the pick there. I think I would have went Loki as my um, second pick as well. I guess for me now, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to the Netflix. Well, I'm gonna go with Punisher. Um, I, I really like John Bernthal's Punisher. Um, I, I thought that was again another, uh, it, again a violent show, uh, <laughs> but um, different than what Marvel uh, has done before. So um, I, I, I've never been like a huge Punisher fan. I've always found that character kind of, you know, whatever, and 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 just overly violent for for no reason really but i mean he has a reason in the comics but there was definitely um only a few really good storylines for punisher in comics but i did like the tv show quite a bit
0: Fair enough. I thought you were going to go with WandaVision for the next one. So I will happily get WandaVision for my next pick. I think anyone who doesn't hold the opinion that Loki is the best Disney plus uh, Marvel show so far, I think, believe WandaVision is the best one. And WandaVision definitely creative in what it did. And I feel like it does a lot of what you, people were hoping that the Disney Plus shows would do was highlight all these characters who don't get as much screen time. And yeah, did it for Wanda and Vision, but also did it for a number of other side characters as well, giving them more attention than you were able to get with them in the movie. So good to see them bring all those characters together in a very unique story.
1: Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, it was between WandaVision and Punisher for me as well. And the the only, basically, tiebreaker was I can't forgive WandaVision for um, wasting the Quicksilver uh, reveal, and that whole Ralph Boner debacle was just a complete waste of my time that I was really frustrated with. Um, But the rest of the show was excellent, and and I I love WandaVision as well. Um, All right, I'll go with my next one here, and, hmm, okay, this is tough, but I am going to go... You know what, I'm going to go with um, the 90s Spider-Man animated series. We didn't limit it to just Disney Plus and Netflix shows. Um, I love the Spider-Man uh, animated series from the 90s. I believe it was 1994 to like 97 or 98, something like that. It was like five seasons. But um, yeah, still one of the better Spider-Man um, TV adaptations that, that that's out there, in my opinion, that we got all the villains and everything. So um, definitely a big part of my childhood. So I'm going with Spider-Man 94.
0: Uh, Nice. Um, I will move away from Disney Plus, at least for one of my picks, I will go with Agents of Shield, which Hmm. I think throughout its run had so many good seasons with what it was able to do connecting it to the MCU near the start of it and the twists that it had with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crumbling after uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, so I think they did a great job tying in there, and I know over time it kind of moved further and further away from what the rest of the MCU was doing, but I think it was still able to tell some excellent stories, especially in the later seasons, and being able to, in your fourth or fifth or sixth season, being able to find creative ways to use the characters and do different things with them. I think it was impressive to see what they were able to do with so many seasons. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't finish agents of shield, but I did like the tie in there to the, the Hydra um, takeover as well. That was pretty cool. Um, I am going to go with, okay, I'll go to, I'll go to the Disney plus series now. Um, and I think I'm going to go with moon Knight. I, I actually kind of like moon Knight. I thought Oscar Isaac was, was really good as the lead character there. And again, another one of those shows that was kind of different. And um, you know, Strange it away, but I, I thought it was good from you know start to finish, and it got get definitely gets kind of crazy uh, near the end, obviously. But um, it was still kind of a fun show. I, I enjoyed
0: Moon Knight. Fair enough. Um, I will go see. This is the point where I'm trying to like construct <laughs> different shows. So I have a show that I have here for my next pick, but if I pick that, then I'm not going to be able to get the variety <laughs> of shows that I was hoping for, but i think i will do it anyway i'll go with miss marvel with the marvels coming out this week i think miss marvel one of the best reviewed Mm -hmm. shows that uh, marvel has had throughout the entire time and just i know it's not as mature as a number of the other shows it's more probably geared towards uh teenagers and whatnot but i think they did a great job of telling that story and a perfect casting for uh, Miss Marvel herself and excited to see her in the Marvels this week. And I think she's going to end up stealing the show, even though there's going to be a lot going on in that movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I imagine there's going to be a lot going on. And yeah, I I like Miss Marvel as well. That was a solid uh, show from start to finish there. Last pick for me. Oh, man. There are definitely a lot of options um, at this point. I'm going to go with... I'm gonna go with the What If um, Marvel TV series. I love the like kind of multiverse storylines and, and things like that, where we get these alternate universes and things like that. And What If was definitely a, a pretty dark show <laughs> as well. It, it had some uh, always some dark twists for pretty much every single episode. But I thought it was well done. I know it's an animated series, um, so that gives me two animated series on here. But uh, I really enjoyed the What If series and looking for looking forward to season two as well.
0: All right, I think. For my last pick, I'm going to not get any of the Netflix shows, which makes me a little bit sad, but I've <laughs> picked a lot of things from them in the past, and it hasn't always worked out, so I think I will survive this one without it. I'm going to go with the X-Men animated series from the 90s. That, like, I didn't even watch it while its run was going on, but after the X-Men 97 series was announced, I went back and watched it and ended up really enjoying it. So I think I know there's a lot of love for that series as well and me being a big power rangers fan the people who did the music for x-men did the music for power rangers at that time as well so i enjoyed it from that perspective too of having the nostalgia for the music even though it had for completely different reasons from the show but (laughs) i think that rounds out my team well of having a variety of shows even though i'm not getting any of those netflix shows
1: Yeah. Yeah. X-Men was on my list as well. I wanted to include it in there as well, but we could only fit five. Um, So that leaves me with Daredevil, Punisher, Spider-Man, animated series from 94, Moon Knight and the What If um, TV series. And then you have Loki, WandaVision, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Miss Marvel and the X-Men from I guess it was 92. That one, Um, I think it was before Spider-Man. Yeah. So um, yeah, good lists there. We'll get that poll out today, I I promise. Um, So I'll find a way to to make sure I I send that out. Uh, for the twitter folks but that's going to wrap up uh today's episode of the pff fantasy podcast i thank you all very much for listening please don't forget to like and subscribe to the pff fantasy youtube channel it helps us a ton we really appreciate it as well um and nate thank you for coming up with this list of players to choose from as well as we head to the waiver wire today and then hopefully we, hopefully we could land a few more of these guys for our rosters um but before you go please let everybody know what you have up on pff.com this week
0: so I have the recap for all of the games that happened this past week. I have the waiver article, which I know sometimes we skip a couple guys here and there for the podcast, but we pretty well covered everyone that I wrote about. So no need to look at that if you made it this hour long. Um the five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high. We only have a couple more weeks until uh, trade deadlines for fantasy leagues. Uh, I know Yahoo, it's only in about two weeks or a week and a half from now. So you don't have too much more time to trade. So uh, only one more of those articles after this week. Um, today, we'll be writing uh, my rankings. That'll be going up later today and the tools and an article form tomorrow. Also, i rest of season rankings that is already up today. And then we'll have start set up on Thursday. Beautiful. Um, Yeah, I'll have the IDP fantasy
1: report up today. That'll have all of our IDP waiver wire targets in there as well. And then IDP rankings article and the wide receiver man's own coverage report. Those will be out on Thursday morning. And then we will have the O-line D-line matchup article um, on Friday morning as well. So I will be back on the podcast doing the weekly IDP preview tomorrow and then back with Kate on Thursday previewing uh the rest of the week on the offensive side of the ball as well so thank you everybody for listening again Uh, we really appreciate it and until next time peace out